0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hello there, fellow Culturati, Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. I wanna thank you for joining me again for another show about travel. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter connect with us on social media and join the travel club you can do it all on travelingculturati.com today's guest has changed the face and dialogue for the travel industry with insights and a platform for plus-size travelers jeff jenkins is founder of chubby diaries and he'll be on with us today to share what it's like to be a plus-size traveler so stay tuned for that we'll also have javon's travel minute and the culture report but right now let's get into a little travel news Right now, there are some of us who really want to travel, but we've noticed that the United States has been omitted from its list of countries that we can travel to. Our passport power has diminished, but there is some hope. Even though we can't get that hope from our neighbors to the north, Canada or to many Asian countries. However, there's a long list of destinations and countries that have opened their international borders to U.S. travelers. Now, I know some of us are staying home. Some of us are doing staycations. Some of us are traveling within the United States. But some of us want to hop on a plane and cross those waters or, as my friend used to say, over the seas. And remember, last week's show, I provided you with some information on travel amidst the pandemic. And what I stated then, I'll state again that the decision to travel nationally or internationally is yours to make. The information provided here is for information only, and it does not confirm or deny advisability of travel. And remember that terms and conditions can change at any time. This particular list is by CNN.com. You can find that list and more information about those countries and the guidelines and restrictions to visit them by going to CNN.com. Just put in the search box, U.S. International Travel COVID-19, and you should be able to find the list there. They have a whole travel section. So this list is in alphabetical order, and it's where those with U.S. passports can go on vacation. Get your pen and paper handy so that you can jot down these destinations and also the website so that you can go and visit and check them out in the event one of these destinations is a place you wanna travel to. Albania, Anguilla, Antigua and Barbuda, the Bahamas, Bangladesh, Barbados, Belarus, Belize, Bermuda, Brazil, Cambodia, Colombia, Costa Rica, Croatia, Dominica, Dominican Republic, Dubai or United Arab Emirates, Dutch Caribbean islands, which include Aruba, Bonaire, Curaçao, and Saba, Ecuador, Egypt, Ethiopia, French Polynesia, Guatemala, Ghana, Grenada, Haiti, Honduras, Ireland, Jamaica, Kenya, the Maldives, Malta, Mexico, Montenegro, Morocco, Namibia, Nicaragua, North Macedonia, Panama, Peru, Rwanda, Senegal, Serbia, South Korea, St. Barts, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Martin, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Tanzania, Turkey, Turks and Caicos, United Kingdom, and Zambia. Now these borders that are open to U.S. travelers have restrictions that vary by country. And it's very important that you visit that country's website for the restrictions and guidelines. You can also visit cdc.gov, who.org, travel.state.gov. And when you go to travel.state.gov, all you do is put in the destination that you as a U.S. traveler want to visit to, and then click from there onto that country's consular or visa page, or they will probably have health guideline restrictions specifically for COVID as well. Now, some of those travel restrictions and guidelines you really have to pay attention to. Now, this list includes but is not limited to because, again, guidelines and restrictions are going to vary by country but the ones that I have seen on almost every list is that you have to have a negative COVID test and sometimes it's a specific test that you have to have remember there are two to three different types of tests so be very diligent about noticing which test they want you to have the result from That test is also required within a designated period of arrival. That too is very important, especially if you're traveling long haul on an overnight flight, or you may have an overnight connection. Quarantine may be possible. And that time frame will vary by country, although 14 days is the standard. You have to, in a lot of cases, complete a health form issued by that country that you're visiting. The form is typically available on their site, and most countries' official sites can be found, again, at travel.state.gov. You must also consider how you're getting there. Remember, I just talked about that time period. So not only do you want to factor that into your travel time and the time that you have your negative COVID test, you also want to check the list to see if the country that you're connecting through or transiting through, or maybe even visiting if you're visiting multiple countries, is on another country's no-fly list. So that's something that you really want to consider how you're getting there in that time period. And again, the decision is yours. And that list is provided as information only. And it's not to advise if you should or shouldn't. That choice is all yours. We're just providing you with that information. So again, this list came from cnn.com forward slash travel. You can put in the search US international travel COVID-19. And as you can hear from the list, it's a very long list and it's, All around the world, in Europe, in the Caribbean, in Africa, in Asia, there are destinations. And everything COVID-related is fluid right now. Everything is a moving target, so you have to be prepared for those changes. And the list on CNN.com is updated often, and sometimes they add destinations and sometimes they take away destinations. So that's something that you have to make sure you're knowledgeable about. Now, there's something else that's happening. We've talked about before in some of our other news stories that there are airlines that are offering or making available COVID tests, and IATA, the International Air Transport Authority, is very much an advocate for airlines and airports providing COVID tests. Well, Travel and Leisure issued a list of airports both u.s and international airports that are offering on-site COVID testing for travelers and you can go to travelandleisure.com and again in the search box just put in airports that offer COVID testing on site for travelers to get that complete list and what i like about the list is it's not just listing the airports but it will also provide you with information on the locations within the airport the hours the types of tests and the cost of tests of course for the show i'm just going to list the airports for you but again you must get more details so that you know where they are what the hours are the types of tests anything else that you may need in advance so again the list is alphabetical by destination so starting with alaska you have sites at the Anchorage International Airport, the Juneau International Airport, and the Ketchikan International Airport. In California, it's at Oakland International Airport and San Francisco's International Airport. Connecticut is at Bradley International Airport. Florida is at Tampa International Airport. Massachusetts, Boston's Logan International Airport in New Jersey, it's Newark Liberty International Airport in New York at JFK International Airport and LaGuardia. And I wanna add for JFK that United has launched free COVID testing program on flights from Newark to London. New Jersey keeps a 14 day quarantine rule for travelers. As New York shifts to the COVID testing, American Airlines is offering at-home COVID testing before flights to select Caribbean destinations. And you know that kiosk, Express Spa? The Express Spa Group, they have launched an express check location at JFK, offering a rapid molecular test, the PCR tests and the antibody tests. Back to the airports, you have Vermont at the Burlington International Airport. And then let's head on over to the international airports that have on site COVID testing. Austria at the Vienna International Airport, Paris's Orly Airport. In Germany, it's at Frankfurt, Munich, and Dusseldorf's airports. In Hong Kong, the Hong Kong International Airport. In India, in the Bengaluru Airport. And in Italy, the Rome Fumicino Airport. In Japan, you can get it at both Narita and Haneda Airports. Singapore, at the Singapore Changji Airport. In Turkey, in Istanbul Airport. And the United Arab Emirates, it's offered at Abu Dhabi International Airport and Dubai International Airport. And in London at London's Heathrow Airport. That's, of course, for the United Kingdom. And I also want to add an article I came across in MSN.com. And it's very interesting. It's about a research report that was done that is stating that COVID testing for passengers on arrival could be more effective at reducing community transmission. Now, this report was compiled by economics consultancy OXERA and healthcare data specialist Edge Health. And it states that the two-week quarantine is actually the least effective method of preventing COVID transmission compared to all forms of passenger testing. The claim is that a single test on arrival could reduce the number of infectious days that someone is in the community by 51%. That's more than double the current policy. Now, a PCR test taken three days pre-departure reduces the infectious days alone by 36%, according to their research. And the report was commissioned by businesses and organizations within the aviation industry, including AIG, which is British Airways' parent company, Virgin Atlantic, TUI, Heathrow Airport, Manchester Airports Group, and IATA, International Airline Transport Authority, and Airlines UK. Now, the reason that they're saying this is that the 14-day policy only reduces the number of infectious days that an individual is in the community by 25%, where a PCR test taken three days pre-departure reduces the infectious days by 36%, and that overall, a single test on arrival could reduce the number of infectious days that someone is in the community by 51%. So kudos to COVID testing on arrival at airports and airlines. They're kind of taking matters into their own hands and reducing those infectious days. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and also connect with me on social media and join the Travel Club. We've got some wonderful places that we'll be going to in 2021 and 2022. I know you're stir crazy like I am, and we need to get moving. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Let's spill some tea on tea. (laughs) If you're a tea lover, you should travel with your own and it's super easy to do. While hotels have widened their coffee selections with their partnerships with Keurig, teas have remained limited, except of course in Asia where you'll always find a nice selection of tea. The airlines rarely have more than a couple of options and it's the standard black tea or breakfast tea when they do. The answer is simple bring your own bags so you'll always have your favorite tea you can also add teas to your travel medicinals tea is a nice herbal option with health benefits anise for example or star anise helps with expelling gas promotes digestion relieves nausea and abdominal pain it soothes coughs and colds and helps clear up congestion and to keep it moving I like Smooth Move. That's for gentle overnight relief. It's a Senna-based herbal tea and it also is combined with fennel, coriander and ginger. They reduce the potential of unpleasant feelings like cramping, that thing we all hate. I also use Sleepy Time Tea. It has a blend of soothing herbs, including delicate chamomile, cool spearmint, and some fresh lemongrass to help me relax at bedtime or just chill in my hotel. Chamomile is good for digestion, relaxing, rheumatoid arthritis, relief of back pain, soothing skin irritations, and good for sunburns along with other benefits. Echinacea. It boosts an immune system and can reduce at least 12 clinical symptoms of bad colds the native indians of great plains used this herb as a remedy for snake bites and skin wounds and applied it directly to the mouth for toothaches and for sore throats it's also been successful in treating candida and ginger relieves nausea and restores appetite and it's also good for morning sickness for those of you who are expecting And peppermint or mint is good for cramps and stomach pain. It also relieves gas and aids in digestion and reduces that sick feeling and can help with insomnia. One last tip, tea bags are great for those tired, swollen eyes that we sometimes get when we're on an airplane because we didn't sleep well. Just brew the bag a little bit or soak them up in a microwave. Once they cool, of course, or just put them in a refrigerator, then place the bag directly on your closed eyelids for a nice refreshed look. So there's the tea, on tea and travel. This is Javon and that was your travel minute. My guest today is redefining what it looks like to travel. Jeff Jenkins is a dynamic influencer who has a passion to help people. He is the founder of ChubbyDiaries.com, an online community for plus-size travelers who have a passion about seeing the world. Well, hello, Jeff, and welcome to Traveling Culturati.
1: Hello, hello, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yes, I loved perusing your site. It's so full of life and fun, makes you want to go places.
1: Yes, and actually next week, we're actually going to be switching it over to a whole new website. I'm excited about that as well.
0: Ah, I can't wait to see what that will look like. Well, what sparked your wanderlust? It
1: started as a kid, and this is a, a little tougher story, that like my mom was in a, a domestically abusive relationship. And we were actually fleeing from Florida to California to get away from her husband at the time and we took a Greyhound to get there, and I was just in love going down I-95. It felt like a venture. It was the same kind of adventurous things that I felt like I saw in the cartoons that I used to watch, like DuckTales and the Jetsons. And, so it just, it gave me that, that's where the Wonderless first started, and ever since then, doing those road trips around the country was just amazing.
0: So your family continued road trips after that?
1: Yeah, well, definitely the East Coast. My father, we ended up moving back to Florida later, but my father has his side in New Jersey. So we would make that trip all the time and go to New York and other places
0: as well. Yeah, I do love a good road trip. (laughs) Now, what led you to create Chubby Diaries? It all started... I
1: was a high school choir teacher for nine years. I quit that because I was just tired of of teaching and being a part of, like, the public school system. And it was like, what do I want to do? I wanted to be an entrepreneur in some kind of way. I went on a mission trip that summer after retiring from teaching. And I was on the mission trip. And while I was on the mission trip, we were out there building gardens. And we saw that they needed water in those places. And so me and my friend, we came back to America from we were in Rwanda at the time. We came back and was like, hey, we need to build water wells for these people in Rwanda. And when we went back to build these water wells in Rwanda, that's where it like sparked on me. Like, hey, I'm not an engineer. I didn't even know how water came out of the ground. But we were able to learn how to build water wells. And so that just gave me just all of this energy and courage and confidence to, like, tackle any career that I wanted to go into, and that was the entrepreneurship, and so I wanted to become a travel blogger. And so from there, I had to figure out what my niche was, and my cousin, who is a PR rep, she gave me this, like, sheet to fill out to, like, figure out what my niche is, and it really just came down to, like, who am I and what makes my story unique, and my story is unique by being a plus-size black male who traveled and i have been traveling at that time for over 15 years and to be honest maybe i've seen one other plus-size black male around the world while we were traveling and so it was interesting to know that i was on something and then it helped me realize that i was like wait you know what i have all of these types. Like, issues when it comes down to traveling that i've learned how to manage and learned how to overcome and i don't really see any other plus-size people out here so i just really knew i was on to something. i knew that there was a gap in the travel industry that wasn't even being addressed so that's how chubby dollars kind of started
0: and what were some of those challenges that you faced as a plus-size traveler weight limits size
1: restrictions shopping in other countries, uh, especially, like, East Asian countries, where uh, 2X and East Asian countries are, like, mediums in America. So those are just a few of them that normally I would be faced with all the time.
0: What did you do to overcome those? I mean, in some situations, you won't be able to change the restriction or the limit, but how did you overcome them?
1: I guess I just persevered through like I realized what I could do and what I couldn't do. Like I I wasn't going to go climb the Himalayas. That was not something I wanted to do anyway, but I did a lot of research. Let me just back it up a little bit too. I've done a couple of personal studies and surveys to my audience and I asked them like, what are some of their biggest fears when it comes down to traveling? A lot of it comes down to a lack of accommodation, people not feeling isolated or embarrassed. And so if they didn't have to feel those feelings, they would be okay with traveling more. And so for me, I used to do a lot of research and I still do. I do a lot of research. So I actually don't have to run into the issues to where like, Hey, I'm getting ready to get on this ride. And i waited two and a half hours in the line, and when I get up there, the strap that comes over or the bar that comes down on you can't fit, and now I can't even get on the ride. But now there are multiple amusement parks who actually have test seats outside, so you actually can try the seat out before you actually get to the front of the line. So it's just the research that I do, and that, that usually is the thing that helps out the most.
0: Yeah, certainly in travel, know before you go is something that you need to do. You need to do your research, no matter what type of traveler you are or who you are as a traveler. So, how did the community respond to Chubby Diaries?
1: They responded in a great way. It was one of those hit dog barks kind of things, but in a positive way, where it's just like I just threw the stone out there, and it was just a choir of people being like, "Oh my gosh." This is something that I've been missing. This is something I've been waiting on. And even before even launching the community, I was on a flight with my wife, and we were newly married, and we were going on a trip. And I think it was something about the middle seat and the seat belt and stuff like that. And I was like, you don't think about that? She's like, no, I never think about that. Just talking about like the whole like size and stuff of the seat and will I be able to fit in this robe kind of thing. And I was like, what else don't you not think of? I started just naming all stuff. And so that's when I knew I was definitely on to something even then. But a lot of our community, they started responding and being like, yes, this is what I needed. I need this community because there's nothing else
0: out there for me. And certainly get the answers to those questions. And that's very interesting. And I think that goes across the board, something that we all face and or challenged with that another group may not be. And so that's not something they even think about, but curating that list of things that you have to think about, because that does take the fear, embarrassment, and disappointment out of it. Totally,
1: and just the representation is the main thing. I've seen it within the Black travel movement, where I felt like it wasn't until Instagram, where you could take the pictures, because before Instagram... It was like pulling teeth to get my friends or family members or even people. I used to run a program where we used to take college students on trips. I could not get black college students to go on trips with us. And so when Instagram came out, then people got to see other black people in these other countries like Bali and Japan and Europe. And so it really comes back to that representation. So if they see themselves represented and they see like, oh, hey, Jeff is over here swimming with great white sharks in South Africa, and he has on a wetsuit. I didn't even know they made wetsuits in my size. Now I'm I have more confidence in going to South Africa, getting the wetsuit that he got, and enjoying myself.
0: Yeah, I think the travel industry. As a whole, because I've been in it now for more than 30 years, and I'm seeing more representation of African Americans and people of color. But certainly, seeing that representation allows people to see themselves in that situation and saying, Yes, I can do that. And it's very important. I'm happy to see where the travel industry is going now. I hope we stay on that course because it's been a long road. And it sounds like you've been in the business for a long time as well, but for 30 plus years, those early years were certainly a struggle (laughs) to see those similar and familiar faces. Is there a destination that challenged you the most?
1: I would say Thailand. There was one that had to be ranked the highest, but I was still able to have a great time and enjoy myself and do all the activities that I wanted to do anyway.
0: And that's the bottom line. Just going with the mind of, I'm going to enjoy myself, so you're not going to let any of those obstacles get in your way. They are just obstacles. You either overcome them, succumb to them, or go a different direction. What's the word they're using today? Pivot. Everybody's pivoting.
1: The word of 2020.
0: What is your favorite destination?
1: Japan. With the culture and the, the traditions and the food. Even the way that they bring out the food is usually a presentation. Uh, Even in some of the the rinky-dinky restaurants, they still bring out the food in a really cool display. So I love
0: Japan. I do, too. It's one of my favorite destinations. And you're right, the food is all about the presentation. Even, you know, the history of the food, of making sure it's cut in smaller bite-sized pieces and the use of chopsticks is because the work shouldn't be on the diner. (laughs) <laughs> the diner should just enjoy the food.
1: And that's the part about Japan where compared to other places I've been, to me it's the most, like, foreign in the sense of just the culture and tradition because of how they just move. There's rules to everything in a way. And in other countries, I can just go be me at times and, like, I can just do this American. But when you go to Japan, you're like, okay, now what do I do? Okay, don't do this. Okay, gotcha. And so that's the one thing I also love about Japan is how they want you to kind of assimilate to their culture even when you're there. Yeah, and it's what
0: travel should be. And it's what Traveling Culturati is all about. It's to immerse yourself into that culture, to have an immersive travel experience because that's what you're going for, to experience that and to leave behind what you have at home. And maybe you even take some of that with you when you come back home. I know I've adopted a lot of habits from my travel experiences that I use in my everyday life now. And so, yeah, that's the beauty of it is learning that culture and getting that immersive experience what would you say are your top tips for plus size travelers
1: the first one i mentioned it earlier was just do your research you can find out and i'm making sure that i'm reaching out to different excursions and tourism boards or anybody i can to put on their websites or on their social media pages the size dimensions their excursion or even just the weight limits when it comes down to excursions, airplanes. They do a great job of putting the seat dimensions. You can go to Seat Guru to find out, like, the dimensions of almost any flight. And then also, like, looking at the airline, customer size policies that they have. Every one of them has something. Southwest has the best one. And so, yeah, I would say check that out. And just do your research, I would also say, to be honest, I think it was a lot of that is all It really, really just comes down to that. I would say just join a community, find a community that you can be a part of that can actually help you and assist you in, like, your travel journeys.
0: Those are two very powerful ones. As you said, you were listing a lot of things to include in your research. So that is huge in doing your research so that you know before you go And really joining that community because people who have experienced, it could really help you in some of the things you may not even think that you need to know. Going back to something you said earlier, you know, somebody of a different size doesn't even worry about a seat on an aircraft, but it is certainly something that you would want to know ahead of time. Now, on your site, you also said that clever hacks are things that you like to discover, So what are some clever hacks that you discovered along the way that you'd like to share with us?
1: One, bringing your own seatbelt extender on an airplane. There's multiple people in our community that actually have a tough time even just asking for the the seatbelt extender. And so you can actually go on Amazon and they have certified seatbelt extenders. Most planes have the same seatbelt extender. I think Southwest and just one more other airline is a different one, but you can literally buy it on seatbelt extender. I know that saves a lot of people headache so they don't have to ask. They can just put it on themselves. So, with Southwest, like I was saying before, if you need an extra seat, Southwest will refund you if you buy it online. And, or if you go up to the gate, if you ask for, like, hey, I need another seat to feel hard to be comfortable, and they will try to accommodate you right then on that flight. And if they can't, they will ask if you want to be. On the next one goes out, and they can make sure that they can accommodate you. So, those are just a couple of them that
0: I'll mention. I know with Southwest it's a little easier for that extra seat because they don't have pre assigned seats, and maybe it isn't. I don't know for an airline that has a pre assigned seat having to do that up front so that you can get those two seats together. But I had no idea about the seatbelt extension that you can get that on your own, you know, from Amazon and travel with one. Because I do know that they have sometimes a limited supply or they can't find one or locate it at the time. Yeah, so usually like girl care kind of them on the flight. Those are great tips and hacks to give folks. What would you say to a plus-size traveler or person who is reluctant to travel?
1: I always tell people the reason why I even do shoving dollars, well one of my family members told me when I told him the idea of like what I was doing, he was like, why don't you just teach him how to lose weight, and you don't have to have chubby dollars. And I was like, well, there's like tons of that already out there. There's tons of social media accounts and programs and all of this stuff, and the point in that, I feel like, is in the negative way for plus people, is that it's not speaking to the person where they're at right now. And I'm not worried about what your, your dietary or your ideal weight will be because a lot of people say oh, I'll do this once I make it to this certain weight but no I want you to start traveling now our motto is live life now and so I really want people to get out there and live life now
0: yeah. discover
1: and see all the amazing things that we've got to see and be active because I mean when you travel like it definitely is an activity like it definitely takes some work and so I really do believe that if you get out there and go live life now, you won't regret it.
0: That was a very interesting response. I would never have thought of that for someone to say to you, tell them to lose weight, because you're right, it doesn't address the now. And maybe it's a person who doesn't want to lose weight. Maybe they're happy where they are. So yeah, that's a very interesting (laughs) response that someone would have given you. And I love your response to that, very similar to YOLO. You know, you only live once, but live in the now, absolutely, is something that we should all strive to. Anything else you would like to tell us about Chubby Diaries and the plus-size traveler for those who are considering and want to definitely experience the world?
1: We've known that 2020 was a challenging year, and so a lot of things that we had planned for the community was definitely put on hold because of just everything that is going on. But we're looking towards the end of 2021 and 2022, of just like having way more community events and doing more group trips together again. That's something that I really am looking forward to. And I would just tell everybody to go to the site. You don't have to be plus size to visit our site. And the new things that we have coming is very interactive. We have city guides and everything like that that you can partake in and view and local places to, to eat in different cities. So I definitely would say check that out as well. And just follow me on my social media account.
0: Absolutely. So it's chubbydiaries.com. Jeff Jenkins is the founder and has some wonderful tips and information and a nice blog on the site as well that you can really get some information from. So again, I want to thank you for joining me today. What a pleasure and live life now. Well, thanks again. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I really do appreciate just to be able to speak to your community.
0: This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more
2: information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culture Roddy. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over and check out the website, TravelingCultureRoddy.com. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for the Culture Report. From the simple American brewed coffee to the gassed up varieties with libations, coffee is a culture that takes up root around the globe. This week's culture report is on the coffee culture, how it's made and enjoyed around the world. Coffee has actually been around since 500 AD in Ethiopia. Between the period of 500 and 800 AD, a leader, Omer Esh Shadanit, took the beans to the port of Mocha in Yemen, where he became known as the Dervish of Mocha. It would be another 1,000 years before coffee would make its way to the rest of the world. In the 11th century, the story begins with Kaldi, a goat herder, who noticed that his goats were a lot more energetic and weren't even sleeping after consuming berries from a certain tree. He then took the berries to a local monastery who boiled the beans to make a drink and they too found they were more energetic. From the monastery and locals in Ethiopia, the world of the energetic drink made from brewed berries made its way to the Arabian Peninsula, where cultivation and trade began. The word coffee is thought to have come from Kaffa the kingdom in Ethiopia where coffee originated. The coffee tree in Ethiopia has a white blossom and a red cherry-like fruit before it is dried, roasted and ground into the brew we so love today. It was in the Arabian Peninsula that the coffee culture took hold. They began growing coffee themselves by the 15th century. It was consumed in households and then made its way to public houses, which soon became known as coffee houses. Coffee houses were the center of social activities like music and conversation. Europeans who traveled to the Middle East were introduced to the dark, unusual beverage. They soon fell in love with it and brought it to the European continent, where by the 17th century, coffee was a popular drink across the continent. Venice, however, had its suspicions about this dark brew and some called it the bitter invention of Satan. And that prompted the local clergy to condemn it. But before long and after condemnation, coffee quickly spread and coffee houses were built and became the central gathering places for social activities there too. Thomas Jefferson called it the favorite drink of the civilized world. Soon afterwards, coffee made its way across the Atlantic Ocean and to the New World. However, it didn't quickly become a favorite drink those in the new world were drinking tea it wasn't until the tax on tea brought about a revolt against the tax better known as the boston tea party that coffee even had a chance in america large-scale production of coffee would begin with the dutch who tried to cultivate the plant in india that attempt failed and their efforts were moved to the island of java which is now Indonesia and where they had success. That name too has stuck around for the long haul. It was the French who brought the plant to the Americas. The mayor of Amsterdam gifted a coffee plant to the king of France in 1714, who in turn ordered it to be planted in the Royal Botanical Garden in Paris. Later, a naval officer took a seedling from the king's plant and brought it to the island of Martinique. There it thrived and is the parent of all coffee trees throughout the caribbean south and central america today and today coffee is consumed in mass quantities and has become part of our daily culture let's talk coffee Turkish coffee. Turkish coffee is served in a demitasse cup. It's a very strong brew that still has grounds in it so you'll need to let the grounds settle to the bottom. It's also sweetened with sugar and always served with water to cleanse the palate. The grounds are left in the bottom or you can have your grounds red to tell your fortune. If you want to make it yourself, you'll need a Turkish coffee pot called a sieve and remember to never boil the water. It should be The water should be hot enough to extract the coffee from the bean and to melt the sugar. Let's head to Italy, where drinking coffee is a passion. Remember it was in Venice, where it was thought to be the invention of Satan because of its black Color and its effects. Well, after getting over that, coffee soon spread to other Italian cities and gave way to the exclusive coffee houses. When in Italy, this is how you should order and drink your coffee. Cappuccino is only to be consumed in the morning with breakfast, never to be ordered after 11 a.m. What we call espresso. Is ordered as un cafe, and it's typically served with a glass of water. Much like the Turks, you have to cleanse your palate. And if you like to have milk, you would ask for cafe macchiato, which just means milk. You could ask for a double shot of espresso, which is also called cafe doppio, but that wouldn't be very Italian. Instead, order a cafe lungo, which means to make it long by adding hot water. And later in the evening, Evening, if you want something with a kick, you'd order a cafe Coretto. That comes with a shot of liquor, probably Amaretto. Now, how about the French? Theirs is a lot less complicated than the Italian's, but still very refined. The French take their coffee with hot milk or cafe au lait, and it's served in a mug, sometimes the size of a bowl and large enough for dunking a croissant or a baguette. The cafe au lait is usually larger in the morning. If ordered in the afternoon, you'll typically get a smaller one. They too have their own coffee pot, the cafeterie or French press. The coffee grounds are served in a glass or aluminum pot filled with hot water. When the grounds have brewed, you press the grounds to the bottom of the pot and then you can have your coffee. Now let's explore Cuba's coffee culture. Coffee has been a part of the Cuban culture since the 18th century since the French planters fled Haiti and brought the bean there. Cubans like their coffee strong. There's the café cubano, or cafecito. It's espresso mixed with sugar while it's brewed. The coradito is an espresso topped with steamed milk, or café con leche, coffee with hot milk, and colada. It comes in a larger cup with small accompanying cups for decanting and for sharing. Of course, there is a coffee culture in the place where coffee first landed out of Africa, Arabia, the Middle East, and North Africa. Starting 1,000 years ago, ground coffee was a drink brewed to help the Sufi pray all night. In this part of the world, let's have a cup of coffee together means let's get together to discuss news, mutual interests, and agreements. Bedouins are known for passionate poetry and songs about serving coffee to their visitors, mostly before they dismounted their horses. This is known as finja al daif. Coffee, or kawa, is always used to greet in certain parts of the Middle East. In fact, it is said that when a young man is visiting a family and refuses to drink coffee, he may be about to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage, or for forgiveness. Arabic coffee prepared in many Arab countries is done with cardamom or it's served plain called kawa, sada, and often served in a small cup and is accompanied by dates. Now Mexico's hot beverage is really chocolate. But in more recent years, Oaxaca has been the center of Mexico's coffee culture with the cultivation of mountain coffee trees. Oaxaqueños have birthed a coffee culture around the sobremesa. This is the period right after a meal when family and friends share conversations or anecdotes at the table. Sobremesa can last for hours, so it's no wonder coffee is a necessity. When I think about the American coffee culture, I think about my own experiences. When I travel around, people are astonished by the size of our coffee or the bottomless cup of coffee. But that certainly has changed over the years with the birth of coffee houses. Certainly we love our cup of joe to wake us up in the morning, but the new culture has added the coffee cocktail, if you will, with the caramel macchiato, the pumpkin spice lattes, and many others. For me, I enjoy a triple venti latte from Starbucks. That's a triple shot of espresso and 16 ounces of steamed 2% milk. Ethiopia, the birthplace of coffee. Coffee plays a major role in Ethiopian culture the life, the food, and relationships. It's so significant to the culture, it has its own language. Buna dabo now is a saying in Ethiopia, meaning coffee is our bread. Buna tetu is another common saying, meaning simply put, drink coffee and it signifies not only drinking coffee but socializing. If someone says I do not have anyone to have coffee with, it is assumed that the person does not have good friends they can confide in. And if someone says don't let your name get noticed at coffee time, that means you should watch out for your reputation and avoid becoming the topic of negative gossip. Then there's the coffee ceremony in Ethiopia a lengthy process that begins with a ritual of spreading fresh flowers across the floor, burning incense to ward off evil spirits. There are three servings of coffee known as abol, tona, and baraka. Each serving is progressively weaker than the first, and each cup is said to transform the spirit, and the third serving is considered to be a blessing on those who drink it. In searching for coffee cultures around the world, the common nuance is socializing. We all have a tendency to chat over coffee, meet over coffee, or people watch over coffee. I think that's a good thing. Any culture that promotes talking to each other, socializing, and doing more human things in this age of technology that seems to be pulling us apart is a good thing. So I wanna thank you for sharing coffee with me today from around the world. Until our next cup, cheers. Well, that's it for the show today.
0: Wherever you go, go with all your heart, Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations, We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.
2: Ladies and gentlemen...